There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. From Decrypt.co, this is the Decrypt Daily, and my name is Matthew Arid. Today on the show, we have three conversations with three different projects. The first is Alpha Finance talking about their partnership with Siam Bank of Thailand. The second is talking about Conflux's mainnet launch and Open DeFi. And the third, happy anniversary to Bitcoin's white paper. Coming up today on the Decrypt Daily. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. Today is Friday, October 30th, 2020. Before we start today's show, I want to read again the names, the winners of the contest to win the Silver Manifesto written by David Morgan and a Bitcoin t-shirt. If you are Coyote Kane, Toon Suey, or Floating2020, send me an email at MatthewAaron at Decrypt.co. That's MatthewAaron at Decrypt.co. And let's take a look at those crypto prices. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talks. Now I'm recording this at 3 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Bitcoin is down 0.4%, sitting at $13,500. Ethereum, 382.05, down 2.4%. Litecoin, 53.75, down 3%. Chainlink, 11.10, down 2.3%. And XRP, 23.8 cents, down 3%. Hmm, let me see if there's a correlation. Hold on one second. Hey Siri, hey Siri, what is the NASDAQ? NASDAQ composite is down significantly. Hey Siri, what is the Dow Jones? Dow Jones Industrial averages down significantly. What about the S&P 500? S&P 500 is declining significantly. Nothing to see here, folks. Total market cap for all of cryptocurrency is $394.9 billion, with a BTC dominance of, still going up, 63.4%. And like I said in the introduction, I have my first conversation with Alpha Finance about their partnership with Siam Bank in Thailand. Enjoy. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Decrypt Daily. I'm not even going to try to do your guys' names. So if you would, can I just go around and you guys briefly introduce yourself? Sure, I can start. I'm Tasha um project lead of Alpha Finance, background in traditional finance, as well as uh, product management at Tencent. Excellent. Okay, uh, I'm Nippon. I graduated from MIT um, in master's and bachelor's. Um, also, um, right now, I'm lead engineer and blockchain researcher at Alpha Finance. So, uh, hi, guys. So, I'm Kelby Wood. Um, got my MBA at Stanford, and now head of the venture building at the Siam Commercial Bank, one of the leading banks here in Thailand. Excellent. And you guys are all Alpha Finance Lab, and Alpha Finance Lab is working with SCB10X. It's a venture arm of Siam Commercial Bank. Uh, can you tell me what, what's this partnership about, what, how you guys are working with them, and what does that mean for the digital space and DeFi products? Yeah, so a very interesting uh, combination. We are looking to drive the mass adoption of DeFi. That's going to take a long time, but we already start to work with the largest bank uh, and the venture arm of the largest bank here pretty much on two fronts. The first front is really to drive the education, right? So that would really set the path 
to long-term impact and really get uh, the mass adoption going when DeFi space is ready. And on the second front, we are working on a partnership and, and really helping to develop more alpha products that will be innovative and capture the demand in DeFi and make it user-friendly. So, so when more mass adoption comes, then we are ready to take on and, and grow DeFi space to reach that point. Excellent. And in general, what is Alpha Labs? You said because you work on Alpha projects and I said Alpha Finance, Alpha Labs, Alpha Projects. Nippon, what does Alpha Finance do in general overall? So basically we, we have two strategies, right? So we follow, like we build DeFi products for users. Uh, we build iterative, like quick uh, products that capture like what the demand is right now. We find what is missing right now in the DeFi. And then we capture the demand and build products, ship it out quickly. Um, the other one is we focus on um, like long-term goals. So basically solve the unsolved, unsolvable problem, like open problems right now. We try to target like, um, so if you've heard like health, uh, like impermanent loss, uh, where Uniswap, when you enter, when you deposit in Uniswap market, you basically short, short on volatility. So how do you solve that? How do, how do users kind of like hedge on that uh, volatility while like you farming efficiently? So those kind of problems are, um, I would say unsolved right now, but we try to tackle them in the long term. That will require more time invested, but it might be worthwhile also. So we fast track and also like on the more research driven track. Kawiwood, how, how do you think that these DeFi can bridge into Thailand with the uh, Siam Commercial Bank? What do you think the future is for Thailand? Thailand is a robust economy, very tourist-driven uh, uh, economy, uh, among uh, many other things. But what do you think DeFi could do for the Thailand economy? I think definitely, because um, now at Siam Commercial Bank, we have around 12, uh, 15 million customers right now. And there are a number of people who cannot access uh, normal financial services, right? You know, a normally traditional bank, you have high cost, you know, it's not scalable. And we really believe that decentralized finance is the future. So at the end of the day, it's all come back to the customers and the people that we want to serve. We believe that with the lower cost of the blockchain technologies and also in the scalable uh, ways of, you know, the type of the, the blockchain, the decentralized finance nature, um, those, those kind of things is something that we, we want to experiment first and see how, the, how things go. So that, that's the first part. And the second part is that we are working closely with the regulators. We're working with them on the stable coin and a number of projects. So we would like to bridge that and, you know, keep educating, but, you know, educating uh, as a word, uh, that, that's one thing. But another thing is that we're doing something, small projects, uh, projects uh, with uh, Alpha Finance. And those, if we get um, a result and get a learning from that, and I think we really believe that we can bridge that with the uh, uh, the, the regulators and then um, try to be the first and, and you know, make an impact in here in Thailand. I guess my question was, it's not about making impacts and not about lower costs. I, we all understand that that's why cryptocurrency is here. My question was, what do you think DeFi, decentralized finance, a new way to uh, get, take loans, invest, um, you know, micropayments, it does a whole lot different it's a whole lot different strategy of one, saving money, living your life, uh, using your assets to collateralize for uh, business or projects or, or, or living. What I'm asking is, how does this maybe change the landscape of Thailand? I think that definitely, I think that there's one thing that uh, we really focus on the lending part. People here need to get access to the financial service. I think the lending will become very big. Now, there are a number of, of people who cannot access the normal kind of lending product from the bank. 
And with the technologies on the DeFi, I think on the lending space, uh, that would be that would change a lot if we can get the, the DeFi up and running. I want to go back to look. Th- Thailand is also very much in the news uh, these days. Uh, there's a lot of talk about the aristocracy in in, in Thailand, um, the king, the royalty of Thailand, of their wealth, the, the way that they live their life, uh, as well as schooling and freedom of speech. Do you think that DeFi can move Thailand into a different political atmosphere? Or do you think that that is totally separate and something you just want to stay out of? That's a very good question. Um, and I think, uh, you know, it, it, it makes sense to ask this question when there are some gaps between freedom of speech and, and how decentralized world can actually enables that. And I think we are, you know, hopefully in the long run, uh, we're going to make an impact on that through DeFi in a financial way first. Um, but as we start to grow um, the decentralized way of working and, and mindset, hopefully we can make an impact in other aspects as well. And of course, it's going to take even more time. Um, but, you know, we're here for the long run. Um, so, so that is something that we are hoping to, to do uh, as well. And last question, I, I have to make this general and I don't know who wants to answer this, but what brought you into working with crypto and blockchain as well? I mean, I heard, you know, different universities, MIT, Stanford, um, and, you know, there's a lot of different career paths that you can go than emerging technology that's fraught with, uh, let's say, a lot of bumps in the road, scams, uh, projects that just don't get off the ground, a lot of government FUD, if you will. Why not do something else? Why DeFi? Why blockchain? So uh, let me answer this in my perspective. So my first exposure to crypto is basically when I was freshman at MIT. And then there was an experiment that basically they give everyone a hundred bucks worth of Bitcoin just to see how they would spend it. So that's not bad. Yeah. Just free money, right? And then um, basically, I ignored it. Um, in 2014, and then back in 2017, it rose like um, eight, 12x. I don't know, whatever. And then that poked me, poked like get, give me interest to read more and uh, read more into Bitcoin, also in Ethereum, right? And um, I got invested, and then I started learning by myself, and then uh, basically, it got me hooked to what. Ethereum can enable like it's it's not just like a cryptocurrency right it's more it's it can bring any smart contract any executable um program upload online that everyone knows what it is if you understand the code the code is there and then basically it can compute it can uh, do whatever functions they it can do um, for example DeFi you can have lending you can have uh, perpetual protocols you can have um, any financial product that is similar to what centralized um, bank or institution offers, but without KYC, without any tedious work, right? Anyone can get access to it. So that's what invites me to learn more and then contribute to this um, space, the DeFi space. And it got me hooked here. Alpha Finance, I would like to say thank you very much for coming on the show, sharing some ideas with me, talking about everything I wanted to talk about. And I hope that we covered everything you wanted to talk about. Good luck with your venture. And I'm excited to see what comes out of Thailand because Southeast Asia, honestly, is probably the most progressive when it comes to blockchain and cryptocurrency. So I'm excited to see what you guys do. Thank you for coming on the show. Great. Thank Thank you. you. Thank you. Open DeFi and Conflux, bridging East and West. For this, I welcome on Eden Daliwal, Global Managing Director of Conflux. 
Hey, thanks, man. Look, we have some big news coming out of DeFi and Conflux today. But you know what? I want to know a couple of things that you guys are doing. You have a mainnet launch and we're talking about Open DeFi. I don't know anything about Open DeFi. Can you give me a summary? What is Open DeFi? And then talk about Conflux's mainnet launch. Open DeFi is a global initiative that we're putting together. It's bringing the top players uh, in crypto in China together with the most established DeFi projects. Basically, the goal is to drive liquidity, security, and innovation in the space. And then, you know, beyond that, I mean, we're trying to just sort of get beyond the tribalism in the space, right? And build these bridges that are like East-West, CeFi, DeFi, um, across blockchains. Why is it important to uh, build bridges? What's the difference between East and West? And why is that even an issue? I think, you know, um, there's there's definitely sort of cultural issues around building business partnerships. There's, a there's you know, trust issues, you know, when it comes to sort of uh, views on business in China and working with Chinese collaborators. For Conflux, you know, we're, we're, we're certainly arguably the most influential project in China, and we're the most trusted in China. So we wanted to take the leadership in Open DeFi, get this global collaboration kicked off. And then, you know, obviously, uh, our mainnet launch is, is, you know, something that's on chain that's going to help sort of this flow of assets between chains. We think that's important for 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 both markets. Awesome. So tell me a little bit about this mainnet launch. What is it going to facilitate? What do you what is this blockchain this platform going to do for this as you said, this collaboration between east and west? Yeah, so I mean, we're a uh, high performance developer friendly blockchain, right? High TPS, high security, solidity compatible, zero congestion, low fees. So when it comes to, you know, building dapps Particularly if you're focused on, you know, the China market, you know, we've got uh, interest in, you know, various projects that are focusing on gaming, focusing on DeFi. We're obviously a great network, access that market. Beyond that, you know, Conflux can be used as a layer two scaling solution. We're seeing a lot of, you know, projects starting to consider and move to other blockchains and look at new you know, L2 scaling solutions. So that's really our role in the space. And, uh, you know, we're not a, you know, we're an Ethereum collaborator. We're, we're an Ethereum colleague. And so, you know, we, we're just looking to support the greater blockchain community as a whole. Awesome. So that's a layer two solution for Ethereum, correct? We can be, we can be, we are a layer one blockchain, but we can be plugged in as a layer two scaling solution as well. So I'm always skeptical and a little bit curious about other people that are rolling out blockchains. And maybe you can help me with this. You know, I've seen many people roll out blockchains, you know, from EOS to, you know, ADA to Zilliqa or whatever. And you know what? A lot of them are better than Ethereum. A lot of them are faster, a better throughput, a a lot easier to build on. But people still go to Ethereum. Why your blockchain then? Because, I mean, here's the thing, like blockchain networks are not, they go beyond the technology, right? They're about communities. And so Ethereum has this incredible community, right? For Conflux, I think what's unique about us is that we are building, we can uniquely build our own community in China, right? Because, you know, this this project's launched out of China, we kind of have the language, cultural advantages of creating a localized community. So our network, I mean, our community is something that we feel confident that we're going to be able, be able to establish. And we don't see blockchain networks as, you know, competitive. We see them as um, 
uh, collaborative, almost like network economies that could be self-sustainable the way countries are. All right. Last question. And though this might be a hard one. And again, no offense by this, but I got to ask it, you know, just like ICOs in 2017, everybody rushed yeah. in to make an ICO, raise money. You know, people got rich, people left. Projects yeah. didn't work. Pro projects didn't work. Now it's DeFi. DeFi is kind of like the next thing. You know, you're going to have like sushi, taco or whatever exchanges. Yeah. Other people yeah. are doing blockchains and whatever. Is this a money grab or is this really something? I, what I'm trying to say is what is the future goals of this? And how do I guarantee that your future goals are, are around the growth of the space, not the growth of your bank account? It's a good question. I mean, I think, uh, unfortunately, whenever you have a, uh, a space that's, that is uh, frothy, right? Uh, you're going to get these <laughs> good <bad> word. <laughs> yeah, these bad actors that sort of jump in and uh, clone and, you know, and, and you're, there's the short termists that are just basically looking to make a buck. But I think what you'll, what, you, what you'll see, and I think, you know, certainly for us, it's a, it's a big focus is that the projects that have community are the ones that last. And even if you look at SushiSwap, I mean, they were able to kind of make a splash early on, but, you know, ever since, you know, as time's gone, gone on, they haven't had the community to kind of sustain that that uh, that growth. So so it's really all about, you know, who's building community, who's uh, building an ecosystem rather than some sort of short term, you know, financial game. Don't chase the yields, chase chase the community. Right on. Eden Daliwa, Global Managing Director of Conflux. Thank you very much for coming on the show and talking about your project. Thanks, man. And finally, our last conversation today I have on Munib Ali, co-founder of Blockstack. And we're going to talk a little bit about the anniversary of Satoshi's Bitcoin white paper. Thanks for having me. Tomorrow is a very special day. It is the anniversary of the Bitcoin white paper. Can you tell me, one, the origins of the Bitcoin white paper? Where are we at with what Satoshi's vision is? Nothing to do with Bitcoin Satoshi's vision, by the way, BSV, and uh, the future of that, sir. No, so I think I think the the Bitcoin white paper I feel like uh, is becoming more and more important with every passing year, uh, and people are, if anything, like they're coming around to see more and more wisdom in the original paper. Let me let me highlight a few things over here. Like for example, imagine um, how much compliance and regulations are on people's minds these days, right? Like the the SEC has done so many enforcements recently. You know, the kick versus SEC thing, uh, the court sided with the SEC. And imagine that the way that Satoshi even did the launch is potentially compliant with securities regulations today because it was done in a fully decentralized way with miners. Right? Mm, so mm. it's like it's like things like that, those insights, you look into them and people come to realize that why were certain things in a, a certain way in the original paper. Just one of the things that I'm very fascinated by is there, there's some of like Satoshi's commentary uh, on forums where he comments about how there can be other use cases of blockchains, but he wants them to share with the uh, security and the compute power of Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. And that is, again, something that we're seeing where uh, people are now talking about you know, settling other types of assets on Bitcoin. People are trying to bring smart contracts to Bitcoin, but they're trying to figure out how to share in the core core network. And I think it's a that thesis actually goes back to how TCP/IP became a standard on the internet. And once something becomes a standard, it becomes very hard to change. And and Bitcoin, if anything, is heading in that direction where it becomes the standard protocol for uh, for value. 
for how do you how do you separate value? How do you measure value? What is the source of truth, right? And and I feel like so much experimentation is happening outside of Bitcoin, but I'm I'm of the opinion that you know it might actually collapse back into Bitcoin. And if you were going to tell us the overall biggest success of the Bitcoin white paper over the past twelve years, what would that be? I think the biggest success would be the focus that Satoshi had on creating a sovereign blockchain. Like it was all about, I think different, like even if you look at protocol parameters, like how you how you optimize certain things, what he was really going for was a system that is very hard for any single party to control. And I feel like that single thing is so valuable. Like that is in many ways, probably the only thing that matters, right? Because whichever protocol ends up being this, you know, protocol for value on the internet needs to have that property that it's truly sovereign, right? Like no one can can control that system. And we just need one such thing. We just need one such source of truth and a truly sovereign protocol because everything else, as I mentioned, can then eventually settle on it or build on top of it. That sort of uh, insight and optimization is something that really uh, stands out to me. 100%. And last question I have, because this is, you know, 12 years already with Bitcoin's uh, Satoshi's white paper. Do you think that the white paper will stand the test of time for another 12 years, sir? I, if anything, I think I'm more confident now than I was five years ago, because hmm. it's a little bit like, um, like imagine that Bitcoin has a live uh, bug bounty, right? So if there's a flaw in the consensus protocol or in the code, there's a live bounty for a hacker to basically try and grab that money. We see this on Ethereum a lot, right? Like if there's a bug in a smart contract and someone can exploit it, you will see that within, within you know, hours, someone is on top of it and they're draining money out of, a, out of a contract, right? So imagine that the more time is passing and as Bitcoin is becoming more valuable, you know, the market cap is like north of $200 billion now. So the bug bounty on, on Bitcoin is just going up and yet no one is claiming it, right? So the more right. time that is passing, your confidence level is actually going up that this thing is going to survive. Right on. Munib Ali, thank you very much for coming on the show. And I guess we say celebrations and congratulations to Bitcoin and Satoshi's white paper. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Decrypt Daily. My name is Matthew Aaron. Please go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe. Rate us five stars and leave us a great comment. It helps people find the news, the crypto news. Not NPR, not Fox, not CNN, but Decrypt the best news out there. Have a great weekend and I'll see you on Monday. Happy hodling.